You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello, welcome to um, Scottish Football Forums podcast, um, series nine, episode forty-four. Um, I'm good, John. Um, F-bomb can't make it tonight, but we do have uh, returning host Chris. Hello. That you're quarantined for the night? I have had my, my, my isolation for a bit, so all good again this. <laughs> I'm alright before anybody panics, I've been fine. No, no ill health. Just <laughs> coping with the situation in interesting ways. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Luckily we've had some guests to help. Um make up for the part that we're missing from you. Um, there, there has been some fantastic guests, I will give you that. Uh, the, the, um, I haven't quite caught up with all of them yet. It's been proven quite difficult to, to listen to uh, podcasts when I spend about three quarters of my day at work on calls these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have I've been trying to keep up. So um, uh, Brian Irvin was uh, especially good for a guy who broke my heart when I was eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, I really enjoyed that one, and Will again, it was great the other night. Um, but we do have a um, another guest tonight. May not be a foot, may not have been a footballer, um, but nonetheless, it's great to have you back on, Lewis, uh, statement league champion. Um, how's your computer? <laughs> I'm not the champion. I'm just the star guy that compiles it. <laughs> how's your computer? Computer's uh, fine, but my phone's on total meltdown. <laughs> Constantly tied in statement after statement. Decent. Yeah. Good banner. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, before we even get on to the, the latest uh, SPFL first, um, we should um, start with the more serious uh, situation, which is the current um, coronavirus, and the lockdown has been extended by another three weeks. Um, before I ask you for your um, thoughts on it, I personally think that's very optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why they can't just come out and tell us that it's going to be much longer instead of just feeding us three weeks at a time. I think they could do with explaining that a little better. I understand what they're doing. They're doing it as a three-week review period. Yeah. Um, and I think they're right to review it every three weeks. Um, but I think people are misunderstanding it as we have, we're definitely locked in for another three weeks, but then after that we might get out. I think the chances of us getting out after the next three weeks are very slim indeed. Um, but they are, they're right to review it every three weeks. I think that's that's the best way to go. They just need to explain that it's likely to last yeah, I personally June, think July maybe, is my guess. Yeah, that's I, um, yeah. And even then it's going to be relaxed in a, a gradual way. So there'll, be a lot, there'll still be a lot of restrictions and stuff, but you might get back to your work. <laughs> and you might get back to your work. <laughs> yeah, personally, I think it'll be the the end of June um, at the earliest, um, and even that, it'll be some sort of form of gradual. Um, you just don't know. At the end of the day, um, we've got to make sure that um, we start seeing a trend in the right direction. I don't think we've quite got there yet. I think the numbers are still too high, um, and just just a personal observation. I mean, uh, Germany, I think, was on one hundred thirty five thousand plus. Um, positive cases and over 3,000 deaths Britain just under 90,000 the last I saw and the death toll was I think around about 12,000 so 
Yeah. We've obviously acted too slow. Yeah, we. I think we're we're still looking at. They, they reckon we're kind of hitting the peak about now. Um, I think the Americans are a bit more optimistic in their belief that they're probably getting over the um, peak at this point. I'm sure they were behind this at one point. They haven't over, they haven't overtaken us. Um, I just think that might be the people who are in charge that might be the problem. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Was it getting too political? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I just hope that the next three weeks people just proper behave and say, right, um, enough of these house parties, etc. Well, you can have a house party, just do it by Skype. So, um, yeah. just have to be inventive with these things. I mean, we're, we're not exactly being asked much. You know, people in the 40, um, in the late 30s, early 40s were asked um, to basically go to war and, um, you know, live in a shelter um, in case they get, rather than being in their house. We're being asked to sit at home and communicate um, yeah. with the technology that we're lucky to have. And, some people can't do that. Yeah, stay at home, watch Netflix, um, make sure you wash your hands as if you've been um, cutting chilies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm cutting that the rest of that short. There was a German advert, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it was that, their recommendation <laughs> was um, interesting, to say the least. And it was very well put, actually. <laughs> but it involved, if you, imagine you've been cutting chilies and you're going to use your hands for other things. <laughs> you might want to wash your hands. Oh. <laughs> what would <we> take notice? <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I don't have a good experience with chilies in my sector, but that's a, another story for another day. Um, <laughs> so you see you in the same lines, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it didn't end well, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, just stay at home. But, um, We've definitely reacted far too slowly. And I think the media as well. The media, at first, were just telling us, oh, it's just a cold, it's just another flu. <laughs> and then that's obviously not the case. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we've just got to get on with it. I mean, you can go out a walk once a day as long as you're not going too far. And that's not. And the weather's actually been pretty decent recently, so you those with kids you can do that and play back garden football and amongst other things so it could have been worse so just got to get by mm-hmm. it is mentally challenging as we've discussed a few times which is why we kept the raffle going for the um for back on side why we keep promoting their stuff because they're still getting inundated with people um at crisis point and this is obviously going to be very um challenging for the mental health and there was a story about a boy at the weekend there took his own life again um it's just just talk as much as possible that's the message that we bring out mm-hmm. um, and just uh, a note on the, the backyard football if you're going to um do all your fancy flicks and stuff six-year-olds aren't that impressed at least he's a garden i'm stuck in a first floor flat Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so too bad but the leaf links like literally I don't know 50 yards away or so but can I just pop it there with a ball three times a day or whatever have a beer right <laughs> <laughs> I've had to be arranged in my living room so it looks, at least it looks like I've got some sort of balcony to sit in the sun <laughs> oh, that's not bad <laughs> not terrible have you been tempted on your balcony to start um, a concert with uh, Sunshine and Leith amongst other uh, Nah, I've seen that a couple of weeks ago. Somebody had started the thing on Twitter saying, oh, 8 o'clock one night, everyone's going to play Sunshine and Leith. 
So I did stick it on the uh, on my Alexa, but it was just me. <laughs> yeah, I think hipsters now. Yeah, I, I mean in in Italy they were obviously doing this and Dorma amongst other things, and uh, it was it was just brilliant. And, but in this country, you just got to be careful what you wish for, <laughs> depending what neck of the woods you're in. But um, yeah, speaking about things that are questionable tastes, uh, we might as well move on to the. The events of the last, I want to say eight days, um, but it's obviously been going on a bit longer than that. But the last eight days was when the when we had the proposal from the SPFL about finishing the championship to the League Two, um, which effectively meant just let's just sort out who the champions and who are relegated, um, but no promotion to League Two. And um, Chris, I'll allow you to summarise. <laughs> At this point, because I know yeah. you love these so, things. <laughs> yeah, well, I, as we've um, as we've already pointed out, we're not expecting the, the lockdown to even end until the likes of end of June, um, kind of thing. So the likelihood is of, of us being able to play any football anytime soon is slim to none. Um, the the talk from around Europe, and obviously it's not just the UK and Scotland uh, issue. The, the talk from around Europe is. Um, optimistic at times as well uh, but they're talking about you're going to need weeks to get up to speed with training you might have to play behind closed doors it might not be finished until the end of August into September now um, is the kind of latest things they're talking about the UEFA rumour they're meeting next week but the UEFA rumour they might try and get the Champions League final played at the end of August um, with however they might run up to that before that the problem is nobody knows exactly how long this is going to last and the longer it goes on the more clubs are struggling because the clubs have got uh, they've got financial issues to pay because there's no income coming in, nobody coming through the gates. Players, are, players and staff are still needing paid. Um, some of them are getting put in furlough, some aren't. Uh, so, there's every passing day, it gets more difficult for the clubs themselves to keep going. Um, and we're seeing it across the board. I mean, from uh, all the way up at the, the top of the the Premiership with Celtic all the way down to the, the low leagues um, into the the rest of the pyramid system into the juniors um, it's all everybody's having to deal with us in their own way um, so they are having to get to the point that they're making a decision of what do we do with the season that's not finished um, and there has always been sort of three schools of thinking with that it's either wait and see if you can get the games played eventually um which could be everybody's ideal situation, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, and that leaves you with, do you call the season as it is now, or do you scrap it as if it never happened? Um, certainly down in England, uh, the pyramid below the, the, the top four scrapped it effectively, um, as if it never happened. And there's been all sorts of challenges for that one since. So that doesn't seem to be the favoured way to go. Uh, which left us with the, the, the position we're in at the moment. Well, there is one other slight factor in the UEFA still trying to hang on to the belief that we can get things finished. Um, and they're encouraging the, the top flight leagues not to stop now uh, and hang on a bit longer. So they've kind of had veiled threats uh, to the, the, the top flight um, leagues around Europe that if they try and stop the league as it is now, they will be forfeiting their European spaces. So uh, everybody in the top flights are very, let's not make any hasty decisions. Um, so this is why we got to the point where the SPFL, who are in charge of all four divisions, saying that they want to be able to call the Premiership at a later date, but they want to end Championship League 1 and League 2 
as they are now, which would mean um, no former games getting played, the positions that teams are in now uh, more or less being decided as it is. There's a slight points per game thing, which is supposed to balance out the fact that some teams haven't played the same number of games, which does change a couple of positions. doesn't change anything key as far as top or bottom goes, though. Um, so that would mean Cove Rangers, who have run away leaders of League 2, going uh, up to League 1. Uh, Stranraer going down, who are basically trailing quite far behind at the bottom of League 1. Um, Wraith Rovers, being the lucky beneficiaries, uh, who are just one point ahead of Falkirk at the top of League 1, would go up. Falkirk would be denied in further because no playoffs about to take place. Um, coming down to League 1 from the Championship would be Partick Thistle, who are only a couple of points offset the bottom spot as well. Um, and then Dunn United uh, getting uh, made champions <laughs> because we don't know what's happened in the Premiership yet. Uh, but they certainly be the good champions of the Championship being one of the leaders. Um, so that all got put to a vote across the SPFL uh, where we needed 75% of the Premiership, 75% of the Championship and 75% of the combination of League 1 and League 2 to vote for it. Um, and... <laughs> It was put across that this was supposed to be done by last Friday at five o'clock. Legally, it actually had 28 days and nobody seemed to realise this because everybody rushed to do it for the five o'clock on Friday um, time, which the vote more or less went in uh, favour of it because in the Premiership, 10 voted for it, one voted against it, which means somebody didn't vote in in time. Um, Leave to be hearts. We were going to vote against it. It wouldn't matter anyway because 10 is enough uh, for the Premiership to be over 75%. Mm-hmm. Week 1 and Week 2 was a combination of was it 16. Um, which they needed 15, they got 16. 3 said no, which meant a couple said nothing. Um, but the Championship was a sticking point because 7 voted for, 2 against. And what happened next? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently... <laughs> Apparently Dundee sent a vote in um, which got stuck in an email filter. (laughs) In the meantime, they said, see your vote that we've uh, apparently sent in, don't count it. Uh, Because that was sent before the email was received was an actual vote, they then didn't count it, which was apparently a no vote. They then spent the best part of a week deciding what they're going to do next um, and have eventually come to the conclusion that they're going to vote in favour of it because and Dundee have said this in their own statement, what has been put forward now by the SPFL, uh, if they put that forward to start with, they would have voted for it in the first place. Um, Party Thistle took legal advice, and according to the, the legal advisor, that the Dundee no vote should have stood. Uh, however, Party Thistle have issued a statement today saying they're not going to pursue it any further because they don't want to cost anybody any money, including themselves. They're obviously one of the teams that are... Um, left out of pocket the most out of this because they're getting relegated as things stand um, the other teams that have been vocal about it uh, more than most uh, are understandably Hearts who would uh, if the Premiership is called as it is now are getting relegated as well um, Rangers who are just bitter because nothing really bad happens to them um, they just finished second um, and given they're 13 points behind Celtic at the moment with 8 games to go kind of going to happen anyway um, but the, that's that's it in a nutshell. Um, the SPFL have been they should have done the vote a lot better. They shouldn't have revealed the results when some people hadn't gotten had their votes counted yet. Um, they should have made it clearer that they had twenty eight days. 
uh, a few clubs have voiced their concern over exactly what was told um, to the, the clubs ahead of the vote uh, and that how they were going to get money distributed and what was available to them without the common leagues and, and, and things around that kind of thing but for the most part 81% of the clubs have voted for this um, so congratulations to the United Rangers and Cove Rangers it's up to me congratulations to um, Partick Thistle now that remains to be seen what happens next because we still haven't called the Premiership and we'll wait and see what UEFA are saying next before that happens at all. Um, the SPFL have agreed to look at reconstruction, um, which bizarrely, they haven't put Lewis in charge of it, they've put Anne Budge in charge of it. Um, <laughs> which, um, yeah, I mean, it's not as if Anne Budge has a vested interest in how this plays out, is it? Mm-hmm. Kevin Hearts will get relegated as things stand. Um, they've also put... Um, At least she'll be motivated. <laughs> she'll be motivated. I, I can't remember who it is at Hamilton they're putting charges. They're, they're in joint hey, charge. So, uh, Les Grace, that's it. So yeah, the bottom two clubs, basically, and they're separate in charge of deciding what, what we do with reconstruction. Um, the disappointing thing is that the noise is coming from Hearts is that we had temporary reconstruction, which yeah. means we'll be back to the, the setup we've got at the moment, before too long. Um, which seems to me like a completely missed opportunity. Um, the bad news for Anne Budge, of course, is that any decision um, to alter the Premiership, which seems to be the, the suggestion to start with, uh, requires an 11 to 1 vote. And if Rangers are as bitter as they are right now, they're going to vote against it. So if anybody at all votes against it, Hearts are getting relegated. I wonder what club would not laugh if Hearts get relegated. Do you know any of us? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Sit man. I'm a bit, I'm very impartial in all this. <laughs> You're a bit as impartial as Anne Buds and everybody else that's involved in this and voting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, there's been obvious, we, we've been advocates of league reconstruction for as long as our podcast has been on and before, because personally I hate the imbalanced SPLs, but a 14-team SPFL Premiership would at least restore the balance of play home and away, then split, then play home and away again. Yeah. which would be far fairer than what we have now. Um, it's not ideal, because then you need to decide whether you're doing a 7-7 seven, seven split and somebody gets a week off, or you do a 6-8 split and, and 8 plays more games than a 6. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, um, I would prefer a 16-team league. Ideally, I prefer a 16-team league where everybody plays home and away and there's no split at all, and that just ends after 30 games. I don't see anybody going for that, because... One of the problems we have is TV deals have to be protected, and that is why everybody is more concerned with protecting season 2021 than they are with finishing 1920, because we've got a little new Sky deal coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be the, the focus from the SPFL, is protect the future, not finish what we have now. Yeah, that's what uh, I don't get so, with this, the new Sky deal being such a problem, is that Sky currently have all the rights to the old firm as it is, so surely it's in Sky's interest to get two old firm games in the next eight fixtures than uh, accelerate next season to start sooner and then get one old firm every 11 fixtures. You're right, it's a a very confusing point because there are due two fixtures that was was supposed to be the next game uh, on the cards. Exactly. Uh, Because it was only a couple of days before that we cancelled the game at Ibrox. Yeah, I I agree, but we're due to... Celtic Rangers games 
um, this season, never mind next season, then they just seem to be ignoring that fact. <laughs> as you rightly point out, Sky would have picked up BT Sport when they got it. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So, yeah, so I don't understand Sky's, Sky's best interest, surely. Yeah. But surely Sky even have to ha- um, look at the situation and accept that you know we're not getting nineteen twenty finished, and they're you know they're just going to have to accept that that's not getting finished. We'll just waive the rights to you know the last two games. It'd be different if it was a null and void scenario, where that's where you're going to be um, refunding season ticket holders. Um, I know I know some clubs might gamble on fans won't take money back off us anyway. Well, after, th- after 30 games of a 38-game season, I think you might get some who want to take their money back. And then you've got... And then Sky and BT would probably want their money back as well and sponsors. Whereas at least with eight games, there's somewhere you can soften the blow and there's an acceptance, right? Let's just call, call what we can. In an ideal world, we would love to... I don't know any football fan that wouldn't want the season to continue when possible. It's not an ideal world. I mean, we've just discussed this. We, I don't see personally um, the lockdown um, lasting, uh, finishing in three weeks' time. I think it's going to go on to the end of June at the earliest. The SFA yeah. have already come out and said there's no football until August at the earliest, which yeah. obviously is going to have an impact in the League Cup um, for next season. The Betfair mm-hmm. Cup because normally the group stages are in the middle of July. Um, so I think the TV boss have to have an. Ex- be realistic as well and you know let everyone else just basically write off the next couple of months and then start again when they possibly can and but next season's the biggie because obviously that's when the tv deal kicks in if you have a 16 team league sky but well Urcon, that's in breach of our contract we'll take that off the table i i would be happy i would be content with a 14 team league um with a uh, with an even seven seven, I know you've got the one team have a free weekend. Who gets that? I would uh, the team in seventh and eighth, um, no bottom of the top seven, top of the bottom seven. I think they get the free weekend on the last day of the season because they're unlikely to be involved in European contention or relegation battle. Um, but it's not going to be ideal regardless. Um, and that way you get your even even split, but. I would only want the 14-team league if it's um, the right thing for Scottish football. And it doesn't sit well with me that Hearts are leading this. Um, and their conduct over the whole thing has has been disgraceful from the start. The, the blackmail of the 50% wage cut to players um, as soon as all this happened and making it public as well, I think. And budget statements recently tried to blackmail the SPFL saying, well, we'll have actually if we're relegated out of all this. Um, I don't, I don't think. I mean, it's. I feel for clubs who are, who might be punished like this. With Partick Thistle um, and Stranraer also being examples. Partick Thistle particularly because they've got a game in hand. But people talk about this game in hand. It's not a guarantee they're going to win it, and in their form, you can't, certainly can't guarantee they'd win that game. To be fair, the game in hand is against Inverness, and they beat Inverness twice this season already. That's a very good point. That game in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd looked at another way of settling the league, uh, the leagues, and it was instead of applying average points, you would look at the the results and fixtures played so far and apply those average results to the games remaining. Um, and if you'd done that with the championship, Partick would actually leapfrog Queen of the South. 
if that makes any sense. <laughs> what, what did you do in the Premiership? Because this is what I had a couple of thoughts about how you would resolve the Premiership in a fair way. And the problem was always Rangers St Johnson because St Johnson never went to Ibrox this season. Mm-hmm. I, I, took out, I took the venue out of it um, just because of that reason, mm-hmm. because you couldn't use anything for St Johnston uh, at Ibrox. Um, that is the only thing I'm peeved about, actually, is <laughs> about average points. Somehow we dropped from 6th to 7th. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even sure if St Johnston have been in the top six this season and they're finishing in sixth. <laughs> yeah, as I, as I said earlier, there's a few there's a few sort of quirks in it, and that one's the obvious one is that St Johnston was a game less played. Um, the, the the games per or the points per games ratio for them is slightly better than Hibs. So Hibs drop. Yeah. So go above, which is a bit yeah. bizarre because given that St Johnston were due to go to Ibrox and that game in hand, would they go in from? Well, you never know, Hamilton won at Ibrox. This is one of the funny things about this is that the, the teams that are so vocal about such things, like Hearts, like Rangers, like Partick Thistle, they're the teams that are actually covering up what has been an abysmal season for them. Now, Rangers at least had the, like, before Christmas had a really good season, but since Christmas their form has been atrocious to the yeah. point that they fell away from the, the title race. Um, they dropped out of the Scottish Cup. Hearts have been covering up for a dreadful season from start to finish, pretty much. Um, they've only won four games all year. Um, all season, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the stuff with Craig Levine, he's still employed for Hearts. Yeah. It's just, you forget these things have happened. Mm-hmm. It's just, so all this is deflecting away from the failings at the club themselves. Of course, Rangers, of course, Hearts, of course, Patrick Thistle. They're all coming out to hammer on the SPFL. They're right to hammer on the SPFL, I think, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of fix your own uh, problems yeah. first. How, how vocal would Anne Budge have been um, and how sympathetic would she have been to Patrick Thistle and Strenard's plight if Hearts weren't in, that, were in the top six? She would not have given a flying you-know-what. Um yeah, her, 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 cred- how... her credibility is completely and utterly down the drain. Um, you know, she did. She was great when she first came in. She said some good things. She did some great things for Hearts to get them back up and get them running properly again after the car crash that was Romanov. But in recent, the last uh, year especially, the way she's been sticking by Craig Levine, um, sacking Craig Levine, but not properly sacking him, putting him in gar- um not even putting him in garden leave, making him. Um, Giving them some form of consultancy role behind the scenes or whatever it is, it's uh, it's just ridiculous. And then, you know, <coughs> st- in charge of the medical department for a while. <laughs> that <happened. laughs> Gen- yeah. Genuinely, that that happened. Yeah. And, and see, I, 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 I don't get why that man's still there. I, I, what he must have some bearing on something that I don't understand. Him. Yeah, he's got pictures. <laughs> I'm still appreciating that, but it's really, it's, it's, there's something. Has he got money invested in hearts or something? Yeah. I don't know. It's just bizarre. Uh, I've seen someone posted up, um, let's post all the pictures of um, the trophies that Craig Levine's won as a player or manager, and it was just blank, <laughs> yeah. and then someone and then someone grasped it, showing that there's the Tenant Sixties trophy. Um, it says, well, <laughs> well, to be fair, Liam Brady claims that is his only trophy at Celtic, so. <laughs> and, that was a both of those. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I feel like the the problem on budgets has had over the last few years has been well <laughs> ironically I but at the same time I think it's because she has no football knowledge whatsoever I think she's so out of touch with the fans that she's put all her sort of trust in, in Craig Levine and 
no, I don't think I don't think she has. I mean, because he had too, far too much control. Um, it's and it just doesn't sit right with me that Hearts are leading the negotiations and the um, in the reconstruction and even their no. statement. You know, Chris, you mentioned it, temporary change. What what we're going to do? Invite Broader Rangers and uh, Celtic Hearts up for two seasons, and then um, we're going to have three teams going down for. League Two, um, and nobody coming up for. Sorry, two teams going down for League Two, and nobody coming up for um, the the pyramid, which has obviously no, been reconstructed no. again with the West of Scotland League. It's an how, absolute. How, it's got to be now, or it's got to be right and not temporary. Yeah, yeah I, I I don't want a temporary fix, but the only way to have a temporary fix which maintains any kind of continuity of what we have at the moment is you have you're effectively saying three up and one down now. They won't go for that because the one down is uh, going to get scrapped to protect everybody. Mm-hmm. But what do we need to have immediately after that? What do we need to have after that is one up and three down. So you would need to have three teams dropping out of League Two and then um, a playoff winner, effectively. Mm-hmm. Or, or two go straight down and then the third bottom team plays off in that playoff the way it was supposed to happen, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I don't want a temporary solution. I want a more permanent solution that yeah. gives us something better. I'm not opposed to the 14 team Premiership. It's not. It's not my favourite option. Like I say the 16 team mm-hmm. league, which I'd like to that is fine. But actually, I have seen a one proposal of a 16 team league that includes a splat. Um, that makes a lot of sense, and it was Lewis's spreadsheet. Um, I'll let you explain it because it's quite complex. Mm-hmm. There's a bottom uh, part and then two top, there's a top four and a middle four spot as well, which makes sense for deciding things like Europe and the title and relegation and, and things like that. Aye, so essentially each team, so in a 16 team league, each team will play each other home and away uh, once before it's split up into four different groups. Uh, so in the top group, you'd obviously have the top four teams um, with the winners getting the champions league qualifier, the first spot for that. Runners are supposed to get the Champions League qualifier because obviously, maybe not next season, but the season after that, we'll get our extra European spots, won't we? Mm-hmm. Should yeah. be. Um, third place gets Europa League, and then whoever comes fourth only gets into the playoff final for Europa League in this situation. Uh, so then below that, and then, sorry, in that um, top group of four, each team will play each other home and away. Um, actually, I'll go, I'll go back to before the, the qualifiers and that. So basically, after each team plays each other home and away in the 16, so that's 30 games played, um, the league will break up into four different mini groups. So you've got the top four, uh, the middle four, so that takes you to the top eight, and then in the bottom eight, that's where it gets overly complicated. Um, and then probably the reason that clubs maybe wouldn't go for it, um, and it's because uh, depending on where you finish in the bottom eight, you would get split into a group of four so that it retains some sort of 
uh, advantage teams that have maybe finished 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th over teams that are in the bottom four positions. Um, and you'd play each other home and away again. And whoever, whoever would finish bottom of those groups of four in the bottom eight would both be relegated. And the, run, uh, the second bottom teams in those groups of eight would then go into a relegation playoff. Um, the reason it's in a spreadsheet and on Twitter is because it's a lot easier <laughs> to explain it uh, in a picture than it is to actually talk it through with yeah. anyone. <laughs> um, but essentially, that would give uh, clubs a minimum of a 36-game season uh, before any playoffs. And then clubs that um, are in European playoffs or relegation playoffs would then either play... I don't know how you'd want to work. You could either work it in a, as the the finals are in neutral venues or something, so especially for Europa League. You could have a one-off Europa League game with the two clubs anywhere in the country, depending on the two clubs that are involved, um, which would be quite a decent TV fixture. Um, or you could have the, the playoffs as home and away as the current playoffs are. Um well, that's just the suggestion is that you'd have a, a group of, uh, sorry, a league of 16 teams that splits into four different groups of four. And with every group, you've got something to play for. So in the top group, you are effectively challenging for the title, or more likely third and fourth will be challenging for that uh, automatic European spot. Um, in the middle four, you've got four teams going, going for two Europa League semi-final spots who would then play the team that finished fourth in the final to get uh, European football. And then your two bottom groups of four, uh, you've got clubs playing for survival and then uh, or try to get outside of the relegation spot to then get into the playoff to then hopefully survive that. Um, so basically, the main idea behind this is that it leads to more games that are worthy of being on TV. So the end of the season in a 12-team league or even a 14-team league would probably be worse. There'll be so many dead ringers at the end of the season that don't matter. Uh, and yeah. the idea of this 16-team league with these playoffs chucked in at the end means that the season's effectively on right until the end of the season. Um, and I know if you were in the bottom eight, you would lose out on an old firm home fixture which is, I think, one of the sticking points that a lot of pundits would throw against it. Um, but you'd kind of hope that for what you'd lose in an old form fixture, because there's so much to play for in those final eight games, uh, you would maybe, over the course of them, get enough fans through the home gate that would sort of compensate for it. And then in time, you'd hope that the product is a lot more exciting and easier to pitch to broadcasters like Sky and BT so that they'll actually pay for uh, games that aren't just raging Celtics. The current deal is going to be something like 46 games, which gives us uh, 19 Rangers away games, 19 Celtic away games, and eight other games of broadcasting a season. For which are better than the Well, not next season. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was a bit of a long-winded explanation there, but um, it's maybe worth posting a link to the 
the table when you <laughs> when you post your uh, your podcast on Twitter. Yeah, you, you, your tweet with the with the, the link to the, how it works and then an explanation of the benefits from it actually makes a lot of sense. So yeah, we'll, we'll retweet that for the, the SFF podcast account later on. Um, yeah, I mean I, the, the fact that you've got so many meaningful games even towards the end of the season, I think, is one of the main. Uh, benefits of that, that, as well as the fact that it's a decent amount of teams, it's just too up and there's at least two up and two down, um, and there's not a ridiculous amount of games either because they're talking 36, maybe 40 at a push um, for people that are doing the playoffs and stuff. But 36 yeah. is a reasonable amount of games. We've got 38 now, so that maybe frees up a couple of midweeks during the season. And I, I think as well, if you have well, teams that made them Celtic could be in Europe each year. Um, they'll, they'd want less games, I'd imagine, so that they're not having to play so many games so soon. Yeah, it's, it's funny because um, we, we, we kept saying that if you, if you discount international weeks and the winter break, Celtic basically played midweek and the weekend all the way from July through to just when this virus kicked in. We were just getting to the point because you'd been knocked out of Europe where we were finally getting a break at midweek and then they just took all the football away. Aye, you got a six month break. <laughs> yeah, it's. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. I mean, I, I don't see 16 being put on the table. N16 above will not go on the table. I think four, I think the proposal will probably 14-10-10-10, which would allow Bro and Kelty yeah. to come up. I wouldn't, um, I'd be happy with that. Um, you know, so what I think... the statement, just kind of hinting at that, that's the problem, is that they're hinting that it's temporary, they're hinting that it's yeah. an operation to the Premiership, they're not talking about what doing is with the Championship League, what they do, so it's, it does sound like it's maybe 14, 10, 10, 10, because they're right. Yeah. I, I think my issue like somebody 14, else 14, 10, 10, 10. So I think I've lost perception that. I don't think I've... <laughs> I think I lost connection. Yeah. If you want to go again, try. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> uh, I think I think my problem with the, the 14, 10, 10, 10 is that it's the least imaginative way of keeping Hearts in the Premiership and obviously not really getting um, Shinra, Parsec, whoever. Um it's just going to be... It's just the quick fix that shuts these clubs up. It's not what the fans want. I don't think it's necessarily what's going to make Scottish football the best product it can be. It just shuts the suits up for now. Yeah. Well, I think when Neil Dolcaster first came in in 2010, yeah, he's been here for 10 years. Uh, that's another issue. Um, he asked... He put out a big um, survey to fans asking... Um, what the fans wanted and the fans overwhelmingly voted for a 16 or 18 team league I can't remember percentages because it was like 10 years ago but I remember they were very high there was very low um, appetite for a 12 and it was even lower for a 10 and what did Neil Doncaster come up with let's go back to a 10 team SP, um, premiership because Henry McLeish um, recommended it um, and luckily it didn't go through I can't um, it was it was knocked in the head pretty quickly, um, thankfully. So that's how much they take fans' opinion into consideration. 
Um, yeah. They think about, right, um, what's the TV one? Four, four old firm games, right, that's it. That is that is basically where everything um, comes in. And the 11-1 the voting structure is, is another joke. Aberdeen had the chance to... The, the SPFL, when Rangers went down at the third division... Um, had the chance to get that rule um, out of the way completely because it always suited Celtic and Rangers and Stuart Milne um, decided to vote side with Celtic and that stuck in the throats of Aberdeen fans for a long time. And, and, and believe yeah. it or not, it actually cost... It came back to the bite Stuart Milne because I think they proposed... I think it was... Um, there was two leagues of 12, but the leagues were going to split into three leagues of eight, which was, the middle oh, yeah. league was very farcical. So, and luckily, um, St. Murn and Ross County voted against that. Um, but they needed, um, I think one thing that's clear from all this is that the SPF, I've been saying it for a while, the SPFL needs to be completely independent. No club members in the world. I mean, I think you've got Rangers breaking, um, uh, I can't remember who else, Motherwell. These, these clubs should not be represented in the board. It should be completely independent people who are on that board looking for the best interests of Scottish football, not what's best for each club. They don't have. It does make a bit of a farce, though, because you've got one of the most vocal teams about the, that's complaining about what the SPFL is up to is Rangers, and they've got a man on the board. Mm-hmm. Who's the man yeah. on the board? <laughs> the price of statement. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Rangers statements are good. The Rangers, Rangers statements have just run out of puff. You notice that? See, mm-hmm. the one look, we're recording this on Thursday night. Um, the Rangers statement that's came out today says less than the previous one did because the one at the weekend there was, oh, we've got evidence of uh, the SPFL doing this, that, and the next thing. And tonight it's just a case of uh, we're, we're going to get legal action. If they submit legal action before 10 o'clock tomorrow, it can. It can stall the decision to call the leagues, I think. Um, so I think that's why there was pressure on Partick making a decision today to press on legal action, which they've uh, decided not to do. So it was up to Rangers to step up in the interest of the relegated teams, and they've seemed to given up. So yeah, part of me thinks this this all suits Rangers in that they can sort of play this it's, been, it's all went against this card the hard luck story card um, create that siege mentality that they thrive on um, and while giving Celtic a title with an asterisk on it because they were never, they were never going to win that this league but at least if they put up this fight through statements it sounds like they tried and that Celtic well, they'll win the league but they don't, they don't deserve it because they haven't completed the season so I think in a way, most of their titles the last decade, uh, they, they, they used EPTs to win them. So asterisks are in the mind of uh, football fans mostly, anyway. So um, they can they'll, they'll disagree that those should have asterisks. They'll disagree that this one should have an asterisk. Uh, to be honest, I think this one should have been, uh, If this one is called now, it should have an asterisk on it because we haven't completed the season. Um, but. Give, give it 5, 10, 15, 20 years time, it's still going to say Celtic in the trophy again for the ninth time in a row. Yeah, I think that just seems to be Rangers' driving force. And, I mean, some fans are also clinging on to hope that they could still win the league. And technically, 
they still have a chance. Yes, they're 13 point, it's unlikely because they're 13 points behind. Although they've got a game in hand, they've also got the massive goal differences um, Celtic have built up um, to overcome. It's unlikely. Um, but, I mean, it's it's not ideal because, as we said before, everyone wants to complete the season. Like, Rangers want a null and void. Um, but, as if to say, Celtic are wanting the season completed, uh, wanting yeah, um, to be given title. But Celtic have actually come out and said they want to complete the season. Celtic have said exactly what they've said. If we want to complete the season, we'll yeah. do whatever we need to do. I think Brendan Lennon came out. The thing that amuses me the most about the null and void argument is, see if you make it null and void. One, there's no prize money because you need to hand all the money back to the sponsors, the fans, the, uh, the TV companies. There's nothing happened. That's going to cost an absolute fortune and the clubs can't afford that. Two, making it null and void means it never happened. So actually, the next season you play, we'd still have Celtic going for nine in a row. Mm-hmm. So they've done nothing by doing that. So they're just to, to call this one null and void would be shooting himself in the foot. Yeah, I think Brown and Lennon both said um, when all this started um, that if they ended the season now, they have to give Celtic the title, which I don't think helped. Uh, another thing that we've um, not picked up in all this. Um, BT's um, contract um, deals with Scottish football is pretty much over um, because there won't be another live game for them to show, which is a shame. Um, I mean, I know the team, like Rory, who we've had as a guest, um, Daryl Curry and uh, Chris Sutton, Alan McCoy, they're all going to still be doing the Premier Sports gig. Um, but as you said already, that's going to be impacted next season because Premier Sports are going to do the league. They were doing the League Cup group stages, except yeah. they won't because we'll need to do some of that for July. Mm-hmm. So they're already impacted by that. Yeah. So they're talking about protecting the next TV deals. They're going to need to change it. Yeah. And what's going to happen with the, um, this season's Scottish Cup? Because the weekend there should have been um, the weekend where Aberdeen have so so battles with the final. Scottish Cup final. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I mean, what's going to happen with the um, the CFL? I mean, is that going to be held off to next season? Where they just I mean, I suppose effectively they could do that over a quick weekend. Um, no, yeah. get that over. That, that's, prob- that's the easiest thing to fix um, because yeah. it's three games at each point. The two semis and a final. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't see any problems in that stalling until uh, season uh, the next season starts. Whatever. I know there's been some talk about um, like what players have registered to play in the Scottish Cup or. Stuff like that. I, I, I don't know the technicalities there. I know that uh, the governing bodies could relax rules, um, so you could have new players playing. I, I don't really know, um, but it seems to me the logical thing is just to let the Scottish Cup continue. I mean, yeah. you're already allowed the January transfer window in between the Scottish Cup starting and completing. So if it's got, yeah. got to have a summer one because we've had to go through. A worldwide pandemic, then so be it. <laughs> FIFA talking about moving all that stuff about anyway. I think they've already agreed to some of it. Um, so, so uh, yeah, registrations and stuff are being extended. I'm sure. So I don't think I don't think that's going to be as big a problem as some people are making it out to be. So I think it's quite possible, even if it's behind closed doors, to play two semi-finals in a final. In fact, see if it's behind closed doors, you can pretty much play one semi-final after the other one day and play the final the next day. So you've got a weekend to play that tournament. Out. I'll carry it behind closed door. Mm-hmm. 
if the film fixes it, might be, it might be possible. The, the Germans are basically saying they're not expecting to get fans in before 2020. Oh, so really? if they're going to start playing things, it's going to be behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, they, they have relaxed the three o'clock Saturday rule um, to allow for that. And I know the PFA have uh, made a statement today saying that they prefer not to play behind closed doors, but if they're going to do it, they want to make sure that health and safety is um, taken into account. Totally agree with that stance. Um, the players have to be as safe to play as anybody else. So um, it's not just about the fans, it's the players' health and safety as well. Mm. What did they wear in PPE? <laughs> Face mask. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, yeah. I could just I could just picture Aberdeen win their first Scottish Cup in thirty years and nobody's there to see it. Um, but <laughs> uh, I mean, the other thing as well is that the um, we still don't know the Euro twenty twenty playoff date. I mean, that's been moved back twice. It was supposed to be obviously March, like it cancelled. Um, then it was supposed to be June, but they never gave a date, and now it's supposed to be September, which obviously should have been the Nations League. So um, we just. I mean, the most important thing right now is that um, you know we find ways of beating this this virus, and um, you know that everyone everyone behaves and stay stay safe. I mean, we shouldn't really. I mean, football should be the last thing in a lot of people's mind, but it's in our nature um, that you know that's what we think about because we're missing it. I mean, the, the yeah. best the best that we're getting right now is um, is the classics on sports scene in various social media platforms. Um, which some have been pretty enjoyable, although I chose not to watch um, the Scottish Cup's rerun of uh, um, St Johnson Aberdeen 2014. I can I understand thought, why they put that on, to be fair. Yeah. See the, see the number of times I thought, oh, I could watch that, and then they're like, it's like um, when they're showing like, Celtic Rangers Scottish Cup final 2002, and it's like, yeah, I'm no bother. Even this. <laughs> Right, so, so the only thing they've shown that I would actually have enjoyed was Celtic done United, how it last was last game at Celtic Park. Um, this weekend, it's going to be Celtic's 5-1 win over the Rangers in 1998 um, when um, Dr Joe was in charge. And I thought, oh, I could watch that. And then immediately after, they're going to show a documentary about uh, Cali Thistle and Decisions. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> Super Cali. So I need to turn the channel really quickly. <laughs> what experience that game once was bad enough, I <laughs> I remember listening to Aberdeen and St Mirren that same night because the winners of both sides were going to play each other, and Sky was obviously expecting Celtic and Aberdeen to get through to play each other. Um, so the Aberdeen game actually got interrupted by Kelly going three one up, and then I think they just cut that. So I remember being delighted that. Oh, good, we're playing Kelly Thistle next year instead of Celtic, because although you were managed by John Barnes, you dealt us quite a few hammers um, in Ebby's first seasons. <laughs> you're right, you were utterly annihilated every time we played you, apart from the League Cup final that season. Aye, but even that I was too good on a few. I think the first league result was a 5-0. Yeah, 5-1. <laughs> because we scored in a game at the end of the season, a oh, drubber game. <laughs> Bye. It's funny because the the, the Cali Thistle game, I shouldn't have been there because originally that that game was originally scheduled for the weekend and there was storm damage to Celtic Park, so the game got when well, they couldn't open a stand, so the game got bumped to midweek, and in doing so, I was able to get a ticket for it, <laughs> so I went along to that, that game that night. Again, I shouldn't have went to. So my like a lot of Celtic fans have got tickets for that game with the original date on it. My ticket stub has the correct date on it, so I'll make one of the few that's got that. I still have it. 
I keep all my tickets still so I'm a kind of sort of collector of them. When, well, games I've been at it anyway. Uh, so I, I was I was at the Super Cali Global Ballistic game when I shouldn't have been. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, Storm. <laughs> on to remember. Well, I was on in Friday night, if anybody's interested. <laughs> about a documentary about it. I'm sure um, it's a proper documentary, so they've been interviewing people. Uh, thank they you. Should, uh, <laughs> they should bring back that. Um, uh, what was it called? That was the team that was. Did you watch that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that was a good one. Man. That was brilliant back in the day. One of my favourite lines was the one for the Hibs 92 Skull Cup winning team. It was John Burridge. Um, right. And I'm he was. <laughs> yeah. I. He said. He said about Mark Hately. Um, you think you're a hard man, eh? Come in my box, son. I'll break your back. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally mental, him, eh? <laughs> I think it was um, one of the players, can't remember which one it was, says that um, Burridge turned up to training um, in just his boots and gloves. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> totally crazy. So yeah, um, it's obviously still an um, ongoing story, what happens with the, the Premiership especially, um, but the SPFL in, in general. Um, the, we hope that Ann Budge and uh, Co are going to come up with something that we're not expecting, um, that's a bit more imaginative than what's been 14-10-10 for one season, and then go back to where we are. Um, yeah. I'm not really expecting it given the statements that have been coming out there but you never know maybe fingers crossed they might surprise us once in a while yeah one thing one thing I'll add about um, you know the Rangers statements I mean they obviously went um, Neil Doncaster suspended etc um, that's something that I don't think most football fans disagree with um, mm-hmm. but not for the reasons they want exactly I just think, I mean, um, it's just farcical, the whole statement. I mean, I know, Lewis, from your point of view, you must be loving it, but... Uh, well, it's, sure. it's, <laughs> it's a busy time of year for yeah. me, so... <laughs> the, SPF, <laughs> yeah, the SPFL Rangers um, Civil War um, should be just... They should just lock themselves in a room and just sort it out. And given that there's a Rangers man on the board, as, you, as we pointed out earlier, it should be more amicable than what's been done. Um, yeah. I think the most important thing is that our clubs, um, I think Chris, you touched on it, our clubs come through um, in a, um, st- you know, just basically come through and don't go to the wall. I mean, we've spoken a couple of times about um, crowdfunding that's been good on. Albion Rovers have raised over 10,000. Wraith Rovers have are close to reaching um, their 50,000 target and Dumbarton's at just short of 18,000. Um, and let's just hope that, you know, that helps them. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, we're sitting here talking about whether we're, what we're going to have in the top fight and how we're going to manage that. So if, if it is 14-10-10, personally, I hope that's all 42 teams that we have now because they've all survived this problem at the moment, plus Kelly Hearts and Brother Rangers who have been declared the winners of the England and Lower Leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to lose any of the clubs that we have at the moment. I'm sure that's because nobody wants that for any of the clubs. Although if if clubs are getting this furlough scheme and um, 
any other sort of contributions that um, I, I don't really see many of them really going to the wall. Obviously, I'm not it just depends how long it goes. The longer it goes and the longer the uncertainty happens, I think that's the problems I've got. Because I've tried, it's hard to plan for an uncertain future. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say, if we're back in six weeks' time, we're going to be back in three months' time, they could plan for it, but it, it might not be three months, it might be longer. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the problem. Um, so yeah, we don't want we don't want to lose any of them as we, as we go along, do we? Um, and, and hopefully when we do get things start to back up, we'll be in a, a better footing and we'll have a better league set up, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, but as long as we've got the clubs. I mean, John said earlier, it's like the important thing with this pandemic is uh, is people's lives. Um, but, and we're talking about a sport here, where the sport part, it's not really the part that matters. It's the enjoyment people get from the sport, the enjoyment they get from talking about the sport. It's people's language as well. We've got people on furlough um, and crowdfunding to save people's jobs effectively. Um, so yeah. there's that aspect of it as well. We don't want to see people out of pocket because of that. introduction, um, league reconstruction that has happened is uh, the creation of the West Scotland League. Um, and I think pretty much every junior team has jumped ship to go with it. So in the West anyway, the juniors are no more. Um, but it's interesting times. I mean, we've been speaking a lot about it before. I mean, there's been statements going on um, from clubs expressing interest, but it looks as though everything's um, been sorted. So how does that work in terms of... How does that work in terms of joining the pyramid structure, possibly, in the future? I think they come in somewhere level with tier six, so they're underneath the Poland League. Um, okay. how, it's structured, how it's structured on that tier six and maybe a tier seven, I don't know. That's still to be defined because there's obviously there's so many people interested. As you say, it's like most of the juniors have joined up. In fact, it's more than just juniors because you've got, you've got um, things like is it St. Cadets, um Youth Club. Um, for you to emphasize, they're one of the teams that are joining up as well. So there's, there's, there's been a lot of interest in it. It makes me wonder why there's so much problems trying to get juniors into a pyramid in the first place. This is pretty much all of them have come along. Um, there couldn't have been many dissenters. <laughs> or maybe they've just seen yeah. the wind blowing and they've all decided, you know what, we're going to need to do this. Yeah, I remember, like, in the East, we don't really have many teams in that sort of setup anyway. I didn't really know, I don't really know much about the junior setup at all, to be honest. Um, I suppose these teams maybe like feeling like big fish in small ponds, but you're rocking like Talbots and folk like that. Yeah, we know any death bomb. He's the he's the expert in this. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. He'll have more to say probably Monday. But we've got Paul Lawson, the former Celtic player, um, joining us on, on Monday as well. Um, he's manager of um, well, it's a Highland League team um, for Martin, um, but he'll be able to give us a bit of insight as well. I'd imagine. Um, so really looking forward to that. There's, there's been a lot of talk up there as well about maybe doing a bit of reconstruction about having a couple a, a couple of tiers in the Highland League. Um, I don't know how far along that is, but um, yeah. certainly it's, it's suggested mm-hmm. that they have. Well, when Phil Maguire was on, he was talking about um, his club being they're in a, a difficult situation because um, they're midway between the East of Scotland League and the Highland League. Um, so if they had to join one, you're talking about long travel to like Fort, Fort William for example if they went to Highland League and you know long trip down to um, 
know, play Galafaridine, for example. Um, yeah, the, the, the long travel in the Highland League would really get on your wick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end, end the podcast in uh, quite a fun note. Um, I don't know if... Um, how much you Aye. I'm going to end it with a challenge um, because you've obviously been here and I've been a- asking various guests to name their best 11 um, so I'm going to put you to the spot and name one as well because that's something that's been doing a lot on social media just um, name your all time favourite 11 for the team you support when you start supporting them um, so for me I'm go- and to the manager I th- we'll not bother about the seven, the seven subs just go with the starting 11 um, so Obviously, being an Aberdeen fan, I would have Alex Smith as my manager. Can't overlook someone who um, won as a cup double and took his to within one game of the title. I know some Aberdeen fans have various opinions in that. I think he was associated. Um, so I'd have in 4-4-2, Theo Snellers, Stuart McKimmy, Russell Anderson, Brian Irvin, Kevin McNaughton, Niall McGinn, Lee Richardson, Jim Bett, Johnny Hayes, Duncan Shearer, Ian Jess. I'm going to let to go against <laughs> uh, I'm sure I look past the team that won the cup. <laughs> Just that whole team. Fair right, name them then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can name them. Are you now? No, I've gone yep. over the years. Uh, we've not really been blessed with goalies, to be honest. I'd probably stick in Marciano. Uh, right back, you've got David Gray. Or even a young Whitaker. Uh Centre-backs. Uh, I suppose Soze and McGregor. Uh, Left-back. Oh, definitely David Murphy at left-back. Uh, on the wings, I'd probably have uh, Sproul and Martin Boyle with Scott Allen, McGeeock. Uh, sorry, Scott Allen, McGinn in the middle. And then up top, I would have... Uh, struggling. It's too many. Probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee Griffiths in Rarden. And who's your manager of that team? Uh, Pat Fenland? What's that? Pat Fenland, I tell you, Butcher. Yeah, well, I definitely Butcher, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably just because you won the cup, Stubbs. Even if you struggled in the league, that will never be forgotten. Fair enough. <laughs> well, there's no one else to go. We don't have an imaginary guest to, to take your place. <laughs> and it's it's hard to come up with decent information and stuff for us. That's the problem. It's like because there's also the question of is it who's best that you've seen or is it who was your favourite? Because right away, mm-hmm. I would probably say Fraser Foster is the best keeper I've seen for Celtic. But I love Arthur Boric. So, I don't know what one of you do. Pick. I'm probably, like, if it's going to be favourites, I'll pick one. Um, yeah, it's I, not necessarily I'm the best. It's maybe I'll say favourite 11, but not necessarily yeah, the best. Right. All right, so after Boric, you've got a goal. Um, and then, do you do 3 5 2? Do you do 4 4 2? Because, I don't know. I mean, um, 4 4 2 seems to be the traditional one, so that's kind of. Like, oh, I've just got that. Um, so. Left back, Kieran Tierney. Um, right back. 
it was never as good at right back, but I loved DD I got. I loved that pace. Um, I remember Ronaldinho in his pocket at right back. So, um, came off of me. Uh, centre half, I'm going to go. People are going to think I'm daft if I don't pick Virgil van Dijk, but I wouldn't because I would go with. <laughs> my first year was Paul Elliott, so I would have to go with him. Um, and I would put him on as a Johan Lelby because I love big golf. Um, midfield, Paul Lambert in the centre with. Ooh. Again, people think I'm daft if I don't pick next day, but I'm going to go with John Collins because I preferred him back then. Um, and. On the wings, I did a lot of Alan Thompson as a left wing. Um, I'm going to start putting people out of position now. I'm leaving out people like Maravchik, I'm leaving out people like Nakamura, <laughs> Petro. <sighs> I'm waiting there to learn about Yeah, I had a new header, I just. We had this debate earlier in the season. I'm not arguing with your debate. I still go with Neil <laughs> I'm just surprised you would go with Lennon over Martin O'Neill, but that's just me. I, I, I get that, but I think I prefer the Lennon as manager. You know what? I know Martin O'Neill took us to Seville, uh, but I, I, Lennon's given me some amazing moments himself as manager. Um, so I would have to, have to go with him. What about the right wing? I'm going. I might just end up on the walk, so you just kind of think. I'll just go with a midfield four of Thompson, Ambot, Collins, and. Ah, Weibo. It's got to be Weibo. Um, and as much as I've loved the likes of Moussa Dembele, and back in the day I was a big fan of Pierre Van Hoydonk. I cannot possibly pick in other than Henry Austin Christland because they were a tremendous striking partnership and one of my all-time favourite partnerships in world football. Um, so yeah, I'll go with that. Brilliant. Nah. I, I like it when I put people in the spot like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, if, there's so many people you think you're leaving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> Again, if you go far enough back, uh, like the, the the Polish connection for me was important. So, um, Jekarowski would be in there. He was he wasn't with Celtic long and was, was bench when he left. Um, but he was a fan. He was, I think he was a great striker for us, and he was probably one of the guys that got me into Celtic in the first place. So I, 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 I put him on the bench. <laughs> he was sitting alongside Nakamura and Virgil Van Dijk and Moussa Dembele. <laughs> Yeah. Maddie Zrowski. <laughs> uh, not so much. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it, was, it was good uh, in, in the time we were at Celtic, but um, it, it, it never come close to like, some of the players before and after him. Um, I did have his name in my back for a while. <laughs> I, went to, I, went to World, I did go to the World Cup in 2006 to watch Poland, Costa Rica, wearing my Celtic top with Zrowski in the back. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see if you've got uh, any decent Polish players in our history. The only one I can think of is uh, Zivi, which 
<laughs> yeah. That was just horrendous memories. Yeah, we've, got a, we've got a post keeper than in the youth team. Yeah, there was there was another one that was doing around. Um, like, name the best players that you've um, you've seen live, but they've got to be eleven different nationalities. Um, how, if you put that into, um, you know, because I, th- I think most of you could probably name one um, that's pretty decent. But if if you ask the same question to name that for your club, I think that would be um, you'd be really str- struggling. I mean. I'd be scraping the battle if I put people like Patrizio Billow in an Aberdeen team, and that's certainly not that one. <laughs> Another good thing to try, um, and I've just pulled up with like my second, so I don't know if anybody's done it, is can you put an 11 together of the best players you've seen personally and see the players I could put in that squad? Yeah. <laughs> just because of the Champions League, it would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I've seen both Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. Neither of which won, actually. Ronaldo came at Celtic Park twice and got two draws. Yeah. Um, Messi did win at Celtic Park, mm-hmm. but I've obviously seen him at the, the game at Celtic one. Yeah. Scored the night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see, I've seen Messi score and lose. Yeah, I've I seen, um, seen Messi when me and my, a couple of mates went to Barcelona 10 years ago this month, actually. Um, so... Um, and I've seen I've seen Thierry Henry. I've seen uh, I've seen Thierry Henry for both club and country because I've seen for Barcelona and, the, and for France um, in the Gary Colville game at Hamden. I've seen Kevin De Bruyne um, rip us apart as well. So yeah, I think I was actually at Messi's first game as a number ten. I think I'm sure that was against Hibs at Murrayfield. There was some mental thing that uh, Barcelona posted a couple of years ago. It was like ten years at number ten. And uh, the first clip was him <laughs> ripping Hibs to shreds. <laughs> um, it's probably when we seen uh, when we when Hibs play Barcelona. That's probably the, the only time I've seen one all class first, really. <laughs> Live. Um, can't give enough players we've, we've played at a decent level. Europe, like when we play in Europe, it's it's the dregs of Europe. You've you've never heard of any of the players. Yeah. The one I always talk about, because I, I know I've mentioned Messi and Ronaldo because that's the obvious top tier. The one I always think of when I think of the best players that I've seen personally was Santiago Canizares, the goalkeeper for Valencia. He played phenomenally well mm-hmm. against us that night. He obviously saved the penalties that um, uh, Useful Harden took twice. Um, but the, the rest of that game, it was just ridiculous. Like, the only reason that game went to penalties in the first place was because Henrik Larson somehow managed to curl a shot around him. Canizares gave him nothing to shoot at and Henrik still scored. I don't remember Canizares putting a foot wrong that night. It was phenomenal. The funny thing is, Rab Douglas was always pilloried for the way he played for Celtic at the time. But how he played in the first leg of that game was tremendous and Canizares just matched it in the second leg. Rab Douglas and your road to Seville um, was excellent. It was just in Seville he had a bit of a nightmare, unfortunately. Um, I don't think the defence helped either. No. No, special Bobo getting sent off. Um, <sighs> the Bobo one always annoys me because seconds before that happened, there was a foul at the edge of their box that the referee never gave. Then they started breaking up the park and he took the guy out. Mm-hmm. So I'm more annoyed at the fact that I never get the filter edge of the box. Yeah. Well. So I think I think we've pretty much covered quite a lot. Um, we we do quite 
well covering things even though there's no football actually happening. Um, so no, I think Scottish football is that that one country that <laughs> even if there's nothing to talk about, we'll find something to moan about. Right. Right, definitely. We've had we've had more to talk about in Scottish football in the last week or so. <laughs> the games are being played. I can't wait for this uh, this heart documentary to be released. Uh, what does Craig Levine? What Craig Levine has on Anne Budge? <laughs> it's a ten-part series, but you're only going to get the episodes. Unbelievable. Right, that's a documentary that wasn't as good this time as this, um, the Sunderland one. Um, Oh. I don't know if it's watched beyond the first episode of that Sunderland one. Yeah. It wasn't last season. I watched it. Because you have to cover them 5-0. Yeah. Aye, that's right. Aye. I think the last, uh, the first uh, series is pretty much good because it showed Martin Bain for exactly what he was. Um, and I think, yeah, what was it? What was it? Um... For, what was it that they paid? That were paying a hundred grand a year um, for some chamber thing that only he used a prayer chamber, I think it was, or something. Like that. I can't remember exactly. I need to watch it back. She was the tanning booth. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's like ah, strange, but uh, he's a slimy character, I think. Yeah, he didn't come across well at all in those series, and the new guy they've got as well. I mean, he was a bit. A bit more charismatic, but it just seems like a, a very odd, an odd character to be in charge of a football club. Jack, Jack Ross told the um, told the owner on the phone, "Will Greg is not worth more than one and a half to two million." And what did they do? They went up to four. <laughs> Crazy. Well, you'll not get those sums of money to play with East Road anyway. And Will Greg has scored five league goals for Sunderland in League One. After being See on the See the animals singing that in the, in the last year? Yeah. Aye, four years ago. Aye, Viking fans were saying Northern Ireland fans were saying that. Aye, it became a... Aye. I've never understood that because it's just... You better see it again. <laughs> I don't know. Aye. Anyway. But yeah, I think that pretty much does us. Um, Lewis, cheers for coming on. And, um, no bother. You know, we'll know that here a lot more about you and um over the coming weeks. <laughs> I think I'll be catch busy. up the rest of the statements have been made over the recording program. I know, I was trying to patch it this year. I was trying to slowly move away from it and then the <laughs> last weeks, uh, it dragged me right back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that league table. Um I don't think oh, no, I, need, I don't think anyone is under ten for statements this season. St. John's is under 10. They're always, they're usually under 5. They're, they're useless. St. Bottom. Rangers are going for 55. Chris, good to chat to you again. Hopefully, you'll be back on more regularly soon. I hope so. Alright, cheers, lads. Right, right. Cheers. Cheers. Uh... <laughs>